0: amen good morning everybody good to see you guys thanks for coming out to church thank you to everybody who's watching online i do definitely want to say a big thank you to everyone who came out and served yesterday big serve day uh just a great day to clean up straighten up put mulch out all that uh especially always want to give a big shout out to all the incredible students from Wolf Creek Academy that come out. You guys are so awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, they're, uh, they're workhorses, I tell you what. I, I don't know if they get beat on the way here or something, but they get some work done, and uh, we, we love these guys. And they've been part, you know, Wolf Creek Academy, as uh, they've been bringing students to our church for quite a few years, and we love them so much and just believe God's doing great things in them, and we're grateful for them helping out. Uh, one of the reasons that we do this, uh, we do it a couple of times in a year, is to get ready for big days, and uh, next Sunday, we're looking for uh, a big day for fall kickoff Sunday. Uh, that will be next Sunday, and it's its just our way to kind of go, uh, here we are Summer has been great. We've all had our time away and uh, we've all done our summer stuff. And here we are back in schedule, kids back in school, just getting back in the routine and trying to get back in church and uh, make church great for the glory of God. So I'm encouraging you, if you're watching online or uh, you're here in the room, just uh, our church family to get together next uh, Sunday for a great day, fall kickoff Sunday. Invite a friend. It'll be a great day uh, to bring somebody to church. And just uh, make sure, because I know, you know, people show up different times, different schedules, all that. Uh, you're watching online. You're here in the room. Um, what, we're, what we're attempting to do is make as much option as, as can be possible for everyone's health and safety and their sense of feeling secure about being in church uh, in in a crazy season of uh, coronavirus and Delta variant, Lambda variant, and Zeta variant. I don't know what they're gonna come up with next. But uh, first service, 915, uh, is a mask required. We're asking everybody that comes to that service to wear a mask. And, um, and that service is for people who, who, who that's important for them for any number of reasons. And uh, we're complying with that. Uh, Buncombe County Commission voted August 18th. All gatherings indoors um, would require a mask. But churches, uh, w- religious and worship gatherings are exempt. But we're providing that for people who who want that, who need that. And there's some people that do. And then second service, this service is mask optional. So I can see what most of you have opted for. And that's so cool. So if you want to wear a mask in this service, you can. If you don't want to, you don't have to. Uh, And then if you're really like concerned or for whatever reason can't be here, uh, we have online service and that's happening uh, every week as well. So Pretty much got you covered any way you want to be involved. And I would say if you're watching online, as soon as you can get to a place where you want to get in the room, uh, you're, the difference being in the room is so different than on your couch. I see you there in your underwear. And uh, so, yeah, I know your coffee's getting cold and you're going to warm it up right now. I saw, we see you. Yeah, we all see you. are on the big screen here at church. So, Whew, you need to get some new underwear. Um, so anyway, uh, uh, just trying to bless and help and, and lift as many people as possible. I've been for uh, quite a few weeks now talking about this idea of rebuilding your world and uh, just about some of the patterns and thinking and actions that were in Nehemiah's life as he went about rebuilding the broken down wall of Jerusalem and the gates that were torn down. And so there's several aspects of that that we've looked at for uh, quite some time. And uh, last week and this week, uh, I really want to focus on Nehemiah's prayer life. And because uh, you could see that prayer was a part of the DNA of Nehemiah as a person. Uh, 14 different prayers are found in the short book of Nehemiah. Some of them were just short, quickly breathed, God help kind of prayers. and But some of them were super long and uh, deliberate and drawn out. And there are some things that we can see about his prayer life that I think could help our prayer life. Our church is in a 21-day uh, season of prayer right now. We started... Um, back in August the uh, 22nd, I think, going up till this Saturday, September 11th, and we've encouraged people to, to you know, find something that where, where you just dial up a little bit on your uh, prayer life, your walk with God, and uh, so I believe it's a beautiful thing. We have pre-service prayer, by the way, uh, which I would love to see all of us be a part of, 1045 uh, prayer for this service, uh, 845 for first service, and just, we're believers. I'm a big believer in the power of prayer, and I think you'll hear that today as we're talking. Uh, but so there, so last week we talked about three different kind of characteristics of Nehemiah's prayer life. This week we're gonna talk about three more, and I think all six of these could be helpful in helping all of us develop our approach to prayer. Last week we talked about the idea, number one, restoration prayer is a processing space for life, uh, Nehemiah got hit with the news that the walls have been broken down. The Bible says he wept, he cried, in other words, it was an emotional experience, much like maybe happening for you. you know Suzette and I are watching the weather and watching a hurricane blow through our hometown and watching seeing pictures from even from our family of the impact on them, and it hits you emotionally. But the thing that I love about Nehemiah is just he wept and fasted, but then the Bible says he fasted and prayed for a few days. And instead of reacting emotionally, reacting out of his ego, uh, he found a spot to, to respond to God from God on this situation. So you, what you want to do is, be, is, is get free from reacting, and you want to get into a place of responding from the Lord. So he did that, and that's a good uh, process that happens in the place of prayer. You always want to pray it before you say it because <laughs> uh, yeah. you may just not even end up saying it, uh, and that would be a good thing. Second thing is uh, restoration prayer positions your heart with God's promise, not with your problem. While your prayer might start with a need or a problem, soon you've got to move away from uh, praying your problem and start praying the promise of God for that situation. And then we talked about restoration prayer includes repentance, uh, a new mental model. a new Repentance literally means change your mind. When you change your mind, you change your actions, you change your behavior. When you think something is good, you'll move towards it. If you think something's bad, you'll move away from it. And, and so as we get a mental model that's in line with the way God thinks about life, then we're going to be moving towards a better life. So I want to talk a couple of minutes today about a, a, a few other ideas that I think all of these, one or all six of these could help you have a more effective prayer life. So number four, restoration prayer believes for answers. Nehemiah 1 verse 11, uh, Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this, your servant, and to the prayer of your servant's who delight in revering your name. Anybody delight in revering his name? Amen? Come on. Twelve of you, you're awesome. Uh, Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. He's talking about the presence of the king. He prays a specific prayer. He says, give your servant success by granting him favor in the presence of the king. Nehemiah was not just uh, going into the place of prayer looking for personal peace to be content with the situation. He, He wanted to see something move. He wanted to see an answer emerge. And the Bible says that he prayed specifically for success. He prayed specifically for favor. And what I want to talk about is the idea that when you pray, believe that something will happen, that you, you're not just going through the motions of having a prayer time and you check that off as something, thank God that's done for the day, but that you carry a spirit of faith as you pray and then you carry that spirit of faith outside of your, you get it in your prayer time and then you carry it out of your prayer time. There, Yes, there is a there is a dimension of prayer where you are Looking for peace, and you're looking for you know just uh, whatever covering that sort of thing. But but there's another aspect of prayer that is authoritative and faith-filled and a prophetic declaration where you are praying and you are moving things in the heavenlies. And and I want to I want to encourage you to to venture into that zone. Uh, prayer that moves things, the kind of prayer that literally makes life work, the kind of prayer that brings the substance of the reality of heaven and the reality of God into your world. So I'm going to give you a handful of scriptures, and I believe these scriptures set a pretty high ceiling for what God's expectation, what Jesus' expectation was was for prayer that if I could at least lift the ceiling of the way we think about what are we doing when we pray. Mark 11 uh, verse 22, Jesus answered, saying to them, have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen it shall be granted him. Therefore, I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them, and they shall be granted you. That's a pretty powerful thing. It's what you say to your mountain. Suzette was leading us in pre-service prayer today and talking about the Holy Spirit. I was speaking to her and said, quit talking about COVID and pray against it. Like, quit having conversations about what's going on and speak to it. And you find in in these verses and you find in many other verses that I'm going to look at today, tied together is this concept of when you pray, you say and believe. When you pray, Jesus said, believe that you have received there's a there's a concept that we used to talk about a lot when I first gave my heart to the Lord uh, about the concept the idea of praying through like you you prayed to you knew in your knower that you had broken through into something you know I just didn't sing one verse of this as my breakthrough like you did some work in the prayer closet and you got a hold of something and something got a hold of you and Jesus said, when you pray believe that you've received it. In other words, you're, you're the, the, the act of receiving takes place in your prayer time and you get it before you get it. You, you win it in your prayer time before you go out into the open and it starts to manifest. Matthew 21 Verse uh, 21, Jesus answered and said to them, Truly I say to you, if you have faith, do not doubt. You shall not only do what was done to this fig tree, he cursed the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, Be taken up and cast into the sea, it shall happen. All things you ask in prayer, believing, you shall receive. That's crazy. I mean, honestly, that is, that is, that's profound. And you might say, well, I don't know if I believe all that. Believe some of it, right? The, the believing dimension is absolutely essential if you're going to have an effective prayer life. And this, these verses say to us, when you pray, say. When you pray, Say to the mountain, don't just talk about the mountain, prophesy to that mountain. Come on, speak to that mountain. Declare to that mountain. Tell it what to do. It's, it's, a, it's that spirit of faith that carries you Through life. Joshua 1, verse 8, says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that's written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, then you will have success. So once again, we're being told, Hey, change the way you think a little bit. Change the way you act a little bit, but make sure you keep the word of God in your mouth. Because you might say, what do I say to my mountain? God's word is what you say. Respond to your circumstances with the word of God. I've said this for years, and I'm going to keep saying it because I, I watch this in so many people's lives. You cannot let your circumstances change the Word of God in your life. You've got you've to adjust your circumstances to fit the Word of God. Let the Word change your circumstances rather than your circumstances change what the Word says. And I've watched people who have gone through all kinds of situations, and their circumstance was telling them something different, and they kept they kept adjusting their spirit of faith. They kept adjusting their approach to life to their circumstance more than to the Word. Matthew 17, verse 20, Jesus said to them, because of the littleness of your faith, this is why, The things didn't happen. For truly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you shall say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it shall move, and nothing shall be impossible to you. Wow. Nothing shall be impossible to you. Now, you might, it might stretch you a little far to accept that, but could it at least raise the ceiling for us a little bit where we could increase the realm of possibility if we understand the power God has invested into the life of prayer? I I think our life goes about as high as our faith will allow it to go. And you might say, how do I get more faith? The Bible says, by the word, right? Read more Bible than the news you watch. Hello. Or the social media you scroll through, come on somebody, and, and watch what starts to happen. I think it'd be a good idea. You know, they're always talking about this idea of neuroplasticity. That means you've got a plastic brain. It means that you can regroove the way you think. What if we were to take these promises and just pour through them? On a daily basis, this is what to expect out of my prayer life. I'm not just looking for peace. I'm not looking to just check off a duty in the day. Real restoration prayer believes for answers, believes for things to move. Ma- Matthew 7, verse 7, Jesus teaching uh, Sermon on the Mount, ask, it shall. Be given to you. Seek, you shall find. Knock, it shall be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. To him who knocks, it shall be opened. I, I read this and I go, Jesus doesn't say it maybe might happen if the stars align. There's a certainty here it shall. Be given to you. You shall find. The door shall be opened. The answer is always no if you don't ask. The solution is always hidden if you don't seek. The door is always closed if you don't knock. You might knock on a door and that one doesn't open. Keep knocking, and there's a door that God's going to open for you. Some people knock on one door, knock on two doors, and then they just, well. I look at all these prayer promises, and I'm thinking, this is pretty profound stuff. And, but at least they all include the idea of something moves, Something changes. Something shifts. The next idea I want to talk about is this. I think I got as many amens as I can out of that idea. Number five, restoration prayer remembers God's goodness and faithfulness from the past. So the, almost the entire chapter of Nehemiah 9 is a, a long prayer that is remembering all the things God has done. So Nehemiah 9, verse 5, this is, I'll read you a couple verses, and it just kind of gives us the idea. The Levites, Jeshua, Kadmiel, Bani, Hashabaniah, Sherebiah, Hodiah, Shabaniah, Pethatiah, said, stand up, praise the Lord your God, who is from everlasting to everlasting. Blessed be your glorious name, May it be exalted above all blessing and praise. I like this. This is where he starts. You alone are the Lord. You made the heavens, even the highest heavens, all their starry host, the earth and all that's on it, the seas and all that's in them. You give life to everything, and the multitudes of heaven worship you. It's kind of a good starting point. So verse seven says, you're the Lord God who chose Abram, brought him out of Ur of the Chaldeans, named him Abraham. You found his heart faithful to you. You made a covenant with him to give to his descendants the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Jebusites, Girgashites. You've kept your promise because you're righteous. You saw the suffering of our ancestors in Egypt. You heard their cry, At the Red Sea, so you sent signs and wonders against Pharaoh. So, first he's talking about God being faithful to Abram. Now he's talking about God being faithful to the Israelites coming out of Egypt, against all his officials, all the people of his land. For you knew how arrogantly the Egyptians treated them. You made a name for yourself, which remains to this day. And if you read the rest of Nehemiah 9, it just goes on and on and on, remembering all the incredible things that God has done. I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again. We often forget what we should be remembering, and we keep remembering what we should just be forgetting about. Forget about it. Philippians 3.1, the Apostle Paul says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things again is no trouble to me. It's a safeguard to you. Paul was aware that reminders are valuable if you remember the right stuff. Don't forget to remember what you need to remember. Don't forget to to remember, to rejoice. Keep remembering God's faithfulness. Keep remembering what is good in your life. Keep remembering what you have accomplished. Keep remembering who is still loving you even though somebody else might not be loving you anymore. Keep continually locating your positives. That's what Thanksgiving is. That's why Paul said, it's, no, it's a safeguard to you, and I have no problem coming back to you again and again and say, you got to remember how good God is, how big God is, how faithful God is, what God has done in your life, what God has done for others, what God has done that's way beyond you. Alma is here today to give us a few reminders. I want to remind you that Jesus is in charge of everything. Everything. And He's not worried at all. He's on the throne. Right? Ephesians chapter 1 verse 20 says, God raised Jesus from the dead, seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. So the Bible tells us, you got to remember, Jesus is far above all rule, all authority, all power, all dominion. He's He's over every name that's named. He's the head over everything. He's in charge of everything, not just religious things. Everything. Psalm 24, 1 says, The earth is the Lord's, and all, somebody say, all, the world and those who dwell in it. it it's good to remember who's in charge here. It's, it's good to remember that there's somebody in charge who actually knows what he's doing. Hello? Come on. All all of us, all of us have developed trust issues. Hello? I mean, we don't know who's telling the truth. We don't know who really cares about the good of other people. But here's what I want to remind you of. You can be sure God can be trusted. You you can be sure that God loves this planet. You can be sure that God has a plan for this planet. Nothing is escaping his notice. Right, the Bible says a sparrow can't fall to the ground that he does not aware of it. The Bible says he numbers the hairs on your head. If you have any. (laughs) Which I know means this. He knows more about me than I know about me because I have no idea how many hairs are on my head today. You got to remember that the one who is in charge of everything is in charge of the church. I'm saying to you there is nothing more valuable, more important in the heart of God and in the restoration of this world than God's great church. The greatest... Amen. I don't know if somebody might be saying, Pastor, you're saying that because you're the pastor. No, I, that's why I am a pastor, because I cannot think of a greater thing to commit the best of my life to. Ephesians, Ephesians 1 verse 22 says, He is in charge of it all, has the final word on everything, And at the center of all of this, Christ rules the church. Jesus is the head of the church. But he's not just the head of the church, he's the head of all things. The head of all things is the head of the church. The best boss is our boss. The best quarterback is our quarterback. The best ball player is running our team. The best, come on somebody. The head of all things is the head of the church. We are serving the one who is in charge of everything. And so let me just say to you, governments may fail, but Jesus will endure. Economies may falter, Jesus will endure. Tyrants may rise and fall, but Jesus will endure. Styles, trends, ideas, opinions come and go, but Jesus will continue to endure. And I'm going to take it a step further than that. Governments may fail, but God's great church will endure. You know, I know there are people that are talking about, like, the demise of the church. (laughs) I don't believe you. I believe what centuries have taught us that a lot of hammers have been worn out on the anvil of God's word. Economies might go up, might go down, but the church will endure. Tyrants may rise up and put all kinds of regulations, but the church will endure. Amen. Styles and trends and ideas are come and go, but the church will endure. The last thing I want to talk about with restoration prayer is this. Number six. Restoration prayer strengthens our hands for the work. Restoration prayer strengthens our hands for the work. So, Nehemiah 6, 9 says this. They were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak, For the work, and it will not be completed. But I prayed, now strengthen my hands. They were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work. He prayed, God, strengthen our hands so that we don't let fear make our hands too weak for the work. It's an astonishing day in the life of the church, at least in America. Our church is similar To a lot of churches, in that many people have just, like Homer Simpson slipping into the shrub, (laughs) just disappeared, slipped into the background, used to serve used to help, used to be there, used to worship, used to lean in on it, but they've, they've let, they've taken their hands off the plow. And I've been saying this quite a bit, but it's so true. The world at its worst needs the church at its best. And now is not the time to slip into the background and wait for the war to be over. And wait for everything to somehow come back to normal. This is the day. And the same demonic spirit that tried to frighten these guys so their hands would be too weak for the work. I I just want to say, there's a lot of things at stake right now that if we just keep ignoring them, there's a generation of children that are coming up that are being assaulted with ungodly ideas about life and sexuality. And, and, and we all know it, we all see it, we all, we all see the, that coming in to our kids and then when we try to ask somebody to serve in kids' ministry. Just maybe when the virus is over. I'm saying to you, I don't want us to find ourselves so overruled with fear that our hands have become too weak for the work. A story is going to be told about this season in history. And some people are not even going to be in that story at all. The place that God ordained for them to be in that story because they got frightened and their hands became too weak to do the work. Ephesians 6.10 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord, in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God. Like the battle is now. The war is now. The cause is now. that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God that you may be able to resist in the evil day. Not after it passes, in it, and having done everything to stand firm. We don't need weak hands. We need strong hands. Come on, hands that have to take hold of the hour that we live in. 2 Timothy 1, 7 says, God has not given us a spirit of fear. But here's what he has given us. Power, love, and a sound mind. And I'm not inviting anybody into doing something foolish, but I am inviting us into doing something brave, doing something strong, stepping up to the day that we live in. I'd like to pray together. Would you bow your heads, please? Father, thank you for every person. In the sound of my voice, whether it's online, whether it's in this room, whether it's a few days down the road, Father, this is our day. Lord, help us to not be fearful and frightened and cause our hands to be too weak for the work that you have given us in this day. This is a day where hope is needed. This is a day where faith is needed. This is a day where love is needed. This is a day where help is needed. We come to you today to say, God, help us to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Touch your church, touch our church, touch me. While your head's bowed, your eyes are closed, maybe you're here today, you've never actually really surrendered your life to Jesus. I would love to pray with you. Maybe you are here and there was a day when you used to be close to the Lord, but you know you're not there now. Something's happened, neglect, hurt, something's taking place that all of a sudden you find yourself not where you used to be, where you want to be, where you could be, where you really know you should be. Today is a day for you to come home. Maybe you just don't feel confident about where you stand with God, but I want you to leave this room. I want every one of us to leave this room with a sense of confidence. My life is in the hands of the one who's in charge of everything Nobody looking around. If you say, Pastor, would you pray with me? I want to surrender to Jesus, or I want to come back to Jesus. I want to know for sure I'm right with Jesus. I want you to lift your hand right now and just say, that's me. Would you pray for me? God bless you. God bless you. Come on, just an honest moment. God bless you all over the room. Just say, yes. Just say, I will surrender. I will put my life in his hands. Anybody else? Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you so much. You can put your hands down now. Thank you. Hey, let's all pray this together. Everybody say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I want you in my life as my Lord. I know I've sinned. I've messed up. But I come to the cross where you give forgiveness. Today is a fresh start and a new beginning. Help me become the person you created me to be. Amen. Come on, let's thank the Lord. Amen.